So during January, the last couple of years, we've done a series called Promises That Propel, where we look at promises of God as revealed in his scripture that when believed and fully taken hold of, help us to grow and to maturity in Christ. Today we're looking at the promise, I will give you rest. And I'm going to do something I've never done before. I know I've often said hands up if this, but it's usually beyond something on something silly and really fickle and people don't care. This one's a bit more serious. Hand up those who would actually describe themselves at this point in time as weary or fatigued. Hmm. And given that I know that a lot of people don't like putting their hands up and there were a lot of hands up, that's probably more than the number of hands that went up. So let's come before the Lord that um, we might see, understand um, what it is that he is offering when he says, come to me, all you who labour and are weary, and I will give you rest. Heavenly Father, you are the almighty, the all-powerful. We are weak and frail. We thank you that you never tire. We thank you that your work on our behalf is complete and perfect. We thank you that we can trust you on every single thing that you have ever declared. And one of those just happens to be, come to me, all who labour and who are weary, and I will give you rest. Help us to see, understand what it is you have promised and how we, we are the benefactors of that promise. And Lord, help us to see what it means to, to come to you in all things. Help us, minister to us in our weakness and in our frailty, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I know for a lot of people, 2020 and 2021, and possibly even the thought of 2022, just makes you tired. Just makes you think exhausted. And likely, as we've seen by the indication of hands, that probably applies to a, quite a number of people who's here this morning and watching online. Now, I cannot make a single promise about what 2022 is going to be like. I wish I could, but I can't. However, I can with all certainty make bold statements about the promises of Jesus. Jesus, who the author of Hebrews says is the same yesterday, today and forever. Therefore, the promises that he made in the first century are every single bit as valid in 2022. You see, Jesus is not affected by world events. He's not limited by what the circumstances surround us. He's not subject to the world and the world's circumstances. Rather, the world and all of its events and circumstances are subject to him. So this morning, we get, the plan is to look at what Jesus offers to those who are weary. Now, whether you have trusted Jesus yet or not, today we'll see how Jesus offers rest and how we experience that rest. We're going to look at who should come for rest, how should we come for rest, why should we come for rest? 
and what does it mean to be resting in Jesus? Firstly, who should come for rest? Now, if we begin by the context, which is it's important to understand that Jesus just didn't say this out of the blue in and of itself. It fits within a particular context. And the context is that Jesus has just finished speaking against a number of cities where he had done great and mighty works, where people had seen Jesus with their own eyes and heard him with his own ears, yet had decided in all their so-called wisdom We don't need this guy. This guy is not who he claims to be. And therefore, as a result, they turned away and rejected him. Now, the first verse of our passage, verse 25, Jesus praises God that he has hidden all these things from people like that. That he's hidden these things from people who refuse to listen or to be taught. He even says it's part of God's good and gracious will that he hides the revealing of such things from those who think they know everything. From those who think they are wise and strong. Now initially that sounds a little bit harsh, but in many ways it's a lot like what Paul says in Romans chapter 1. For those who will not come to Christ he hands them over to the consequences of their own choices. And that's effectively what he has said to those cities whom he's just condemned. He says, if you will not listen, then I'll happily hand you over to the consequences of your choice not to listen to the revealing of things that tell us who Jesus Christ is and what he has done. But then on the flip side of the coin, to everyone who will listen, He will gladly teach them, make himself known regardless of their background, regardless of their status, regardless of their past and what they have done. Now, just a moment before, we saw a number of hands, and probably, as I said, there's probably more hands than those that were raised, who recognised that they were weary. We'll probably focus a fair bit on verse 28. Where Jesus says, come to me, all who labour and who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There's one qualifier in there that says, all who labour and are heavy laden. So immediately after a whole scale rejection of people who refused to listen, who thought they were wise in their own eyes... Now Jesus turns around and says, on a completely whole scale, he's inviting those who recognise they are not strong, they are not wise. Jesus does not withhold or make it hard for anyone to come to him for the rest that he offers. Now we saw a lot of hands about being weary And they could be weary for all sorts of reasons. Maybe it's just the whole COVID thing, even though it has had very little impact in Queensland, you think, I'm just tired of not being able to make plans and know whether they're going to take place. I'm tired of not being able to see family members. I'm tired because of the effect that it's had upon my employment or access to certain things. 
Or maybe you've had sickness yourself or someone close to you or a death in the family. Maybe you're overwhelmed by a battle against a particular sin that just seems to be ongoing over and over and over again. Or maybe as you reflect and you look upon your life, you just think, this really doesn't meet the expectations, what I thought life with God would look like. Well, you might be weary for all sorts of those reasons, maybe some of those, maybe a lot of others. But we all know the verse, but we remember the bit that says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. Remember that bit. Most people kind of skip over the all who labour and are heavy laden. He's not talking about those who are just heavy laden and are weary, but those who are actually striving with all of their effort to find rest and are wearied in their quest to find rest. All of mankind, trusting in Jesus or not trusting in Jesus, are striving to find rest. Whether they're trying to find it on a golf course, whether they're trying to find it on a holiday, all of mankind is striving to find a rest. But as St. Augustine in his book, The Confessions, he said it this way, and it summarises it really well. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. The recognition that human nature longs for a rest because we are created for the rest that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. And every other pursuit that we hope will bring us rest if it is not in the rest that Christ provides, will do nothing more than weary us. The way Paul writes it to the Romans church in chapter 8, he says, all creation groans for redemption from the corruption that has come from sin and the fall. It's a universal quest. Everyone's striving for rest But the only one who can truly offer rest says, all who labour, all who are weary and heavy laden, come to me. So who should come? Those who recognise you don't know it all. You don't have all the answers. Those who recognise you don't have the ability to bring about that rest in your physical pursuits. And regardless of whatever other background, he says, come. But how should we come for rest? While Jesus promises to give rest, it's not just a promise as though, like an Oprah, you get rest, you get rest, we all get rest. He speaks about how we can be the recipients of that promise. He says a number of things. We're going to look at four of them. The first one, he says, come to me. He doesn't just say, I'll give you a rest. He says, firstly, come to me. Not just come to church, come to a person, come to Jesus. He doesn't even say, follow me and I'll give you rest. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. This rest is only found in a dependent union with Jesus himself. 
Now, we are born by nature, separated from Jesus. To enter into this rest, we must be united with him. To be united with him, the sin which separates us from him has to be dealt with. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to die a death as a substitute on behalf of mankind, all of us who have sinned, to bear that penalty so that we don't have to. And because we can't. And he was raised on the third day, demonstrating his power over all of those things. But outside of a union with Christ, with outside of turning from sin and turning to Christ, there is no offer of rest. This salvation is the necessary foundation and basis for all of his promises throughout the scriptures. So if you haven't turned and placed your trust in Jesus, the rest of what I'm going to say has got nothing to offer you until you do. Not only does he spoke about come to me, but by nature, coming to Jesus implies that you leave other things behind. Let me illustrate that for a moment. In less than four weeks... A school teacher who was once called Miss Wilcox, Millie, who's one of our uh, church people for those who are visiting, in less than four weeks, four weeks from yesterday, she will come to Sam Grimes, they will be married, she will be Mrs. Grimes. And yes, I read all the details this morning, they might be the only two people in their wedding who don't have to wear a mask. Fun times for them. But on that day, she no longer is... Miss Wilcox, single woman. From that day, she is Mrs. Grimes, married to Sam Grimes. After that moment, she doesn't go back to being sometimes Mrs. Grimes, living the married life, sometimes Miss Wilcox, living as a single woman, out looking for love. That's not how it works. When you come to one, it requires leaving things behind. In the same way, you don't come to Jesus depending upon him for all things while at the same time still clinging on to and depending on things that you used to cling on to beforehand. Sam Storms summarises it in, in these words which I think are helpful. He says, To believe in him, that is to believe in Jesus, is to declare all others liars and inadequate of satisfying our need for rest. To believe in him says anything else that claims to give you the rest that your soul longs for is false and incapable of providing that rest. When we trust in Jesus, we trust in him alone. We don't trust in him plus all the other things that we used to trust in. That's not trusting in Jesus. That's just adding Jesus to your existing artillery. Jesus hasn't come to be a beneficial add-on. He's come to be the one whom you desperately cling on. We come to Jesus. We leave other things behind. And thirdly, he says, take on my yoke. Now, a yoke, which was a piece of timber, which would be used for oxen to, so they'd pull together, pulling along a plough or something like that. And you might think, that sounds a little bit out of place. Jesus is talking about, come to me for rest. 
He's saying his, his burden's easy and his light, but how does that fit with yoke? Yoke we associate with work and doing stuff. Surely he's not saying being a Christian is easy-peasy gospel squeezy. When you look at Paul and the apostles, do you think, clearly these guys didn't get the memo about the come to me and you'll find rest. They didn't get the my burdens easy and light. We've mentioned the essential foundation of entering into this rest is union with Christ. Taking on his yoke does involve activity on both parts. But when I say involves activity on both parts, don't for a moment think, oh, okay, 50-50. Me, Jesus. Don't even think 80-20. He does 80, I'll do the 20, I'll make up the extra bits. We are called to faithful dependence and faithful obedience. But we are 100% dependent upon his enabling and his, and his power to be able to walk in a bit faithful obedience at all. Let me give you a biblical example of our effort in God's enabling. When Paul writes to the Colossians, he says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. So as we see through Acts, we see all the effort that, that Paul does, but he recognised he does only by God's power that he powerfully works within Paul. Or to the Galatians in chapter 2, verse 21, he says, The life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and he gave himself for me. So Jesus can speak of his yoke as being easy and light because he is the one who provides the power and enabling to carry out all the things that he calls us to do. Or put simply, we must desperately depend on him for all things. And fourthly, we must be willing and ready to learn. In verse 29, he says, Take on my yoke and learn from me. We saw back in verse 25, Jesus praised God that he withheld such things from those who refused to learn. But he praised God that also that he would make himself known to those who are willing to listen, who are willing to learn. Another name for a Christian is a disciple, which by definition is a learner. A learner, learning Jesus to become like Jesus. Now, unlike a lot of other things in life, the more we come to know him, his character, his will, what he calls us to, we don't get to a point where we think, I've reached a certain standard, I need him less. If anything, the more we come to know him, the more we realise how desperately we need what he has to provide. So how do we come? Well, we come to Jesus, we leave things behind, we take on his yoke, we come willing to learn. Why should we come to rest? To him for rest. Well, we were made for rest. As St. Augustine says, we were created for God. Our soul will not find rest until it finds rest in him. 
All creation groans for the redemption of the corruption that has come as a result of the fall. To all who are labor and who are weary and heavy laden, Jesus promises, come and I will give you rest. His promises are rock solid. They are guaranteed. He says, I will give. He doesn't say you can earn it if you do this, this and this. It is a gracious gift given by those who simply come to him. We've seen that all the full breadth of the rest that he offers stems from the foundation of the salvation that he offers. As he sets us free from sin, death and Satan by his work on the cross entered into by faith. But the implications go even further than that. Come to me and rest. Rest from working to earn yourself favour with God, which the scripture says is impossible anyway. We don't need to think, have I done enough? We can rest from a fear of wondering about our standing before God because of our sin and guilt, knowing that it has been completely dealt with once and for all on the cross of Christ. We can rest from the fear of dying, what will happen beyond the grave? Because Jesus in John chapter 6, Come, all who come to me, I will never cast away, but I will raise them up on the last day. We can rest from fear of, even though people may leave us, he has promised that he will never leave us nor forsake us. We can rest from fear about our inadequacies, knowing that we will fail on a daily basis. Instead, we rest on his completed work on our behalf. And we can rest from feeling the need that we need to be the one who fixes all of our life circumstances and problems rather than to lean on the one to whom all of our problems and circumstances are subject. He's done it all. He's provided all. And like little children, we are called to trust, to learn and depend. So come to him for rest. If you have never placed your trust in Jesus and you are wearied from all of your pursuits to find rest, which you will, if you look in any other place, it will promise rest and deliver nothing and it will wear you out. He says, come. Bring with that inward groaning that is longing for the redemption from corruption. To him, saying, I can't. I've dishonoured you. I deserve the death that Jesus died on my behalf and by faith I ask you to forgive me and give me this life that you have promised. Thank you that by your resurrection you have demonstrated your power and authority to deliver everything you've promised us. But without this first coming to him, there is no promise of rest. Then for those who have already come to Jesus for redemption, continue to come. Now it's been quite helpful for me in this last week to, to think through this topic because even though I forgot to put my hand up, my hand would have been amongst those who would describe themselves as weary and fatigued. And it forces me to ask the question, how do I reconcile 
my experience of weariness and fatigue with the promise of Jesus, come all who labour and who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Now one thing I know for certain is Jesus' promises are dependable. They are true in every single sense. And therefore I have to come to the realisation that if my experience, fatigue and weariness doesn't match or align with his promise of rest, the problem is not in his promise. The problem must be in my perception of Jesus and my perception of my circumstances and my perception of my responsibility in those situations. And it's a sad conclusion to come to, to realise that I've been trying to bear and to fix what I've never been called to bear or to fix. I have been labouring on things that I've not been called to labour, but to trust and to rest in his completed work on my behalf. I have not been taking his yoke that is easy and light. To give you a good visual illustration, a little bit like a car that's bogged in the mud. You try forwards, no good. You try backwards, try to turn the steering wheel a little bit that way, a little bit that way. Mud going everywhere, the car going nowhere. All along, while there's a four-wheel drive there with the winch, it says, come. It's quite humbling to think about our God. To know he knows everything. Yet he is pleased to make himself known and to receive those who realise they know nothing. He is the one who can do absolutely everything. But he welcomes and he invites those who recognise they can do nothing. He's the one who's morally perfect in every single way, yet who stoops and calls the immoral to himself. He's the one who is all-powerful, yet calls the weak and says, come and I will give you rest. And for all who are aware that they are not wise, they don't understand everything, don't have all the answers, who are weak, who haven't got the solutions in and of themselves to all things, who come to the final realisation, I have nowhere else to go. I have no other means to trust than in the work of Christ alone that he has provided for my redemption and for my ongoing rest. To him I will come. I will cease labouring in my strength but resting the work that he has done on my behalf. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you promise us things and you tell us things that we need to hear. I've needed to hear this and I presume a number of others also needed to hear what you have promised us. We thank you that you don't just fling around casual promises because they sound nice but you make promises that you have every ability to follow through on may we be a people 
who come to you for rest, who come to you who gladly leave other things behind. Lord, forgive us from times when we have pursued rest in places other than you, whether intentionally or unintentionally, not even realising. Forgive us from times when we've wearied and, and, and stressed ourselves silly, worrying about things that were never our, our responsibility, that you never called us to bear or to fix ourselves, but to simply to rest, to rest in you and to rest in your accomplishments on our behalf, not just for our, for our salvation, for our sanctification and for our glorification. You are the one who meets all of our needs and you have given us every spiritual blessing in Christ. And for that, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to do an-